This week on Waxing the Porpoise, G-Baby and the usual suspect Steve once again dive deep into the murky waters of cinema and surface with insights sharper than a dorsal fin as we cover The Spanish Prisoner from 1997, a rather interesting PG entry in David Mamet's filmography that unfolds like a meticulously orchestrated symphony that'll keep you guessing. But does it hit all the right notes? Join us as we discuss comedy gold by way of yay, Steve enlightening G-Baby on the dentist system and how it dovetails into this picture, the prospect of getting shanghai in a foreign country, and alliteration notwithstanding, the downright diabolically discordant and frankly dogshit dialogue of this film. The porpoises, midnight companions and keen observers, once again find themselves plunged into the depths of the silver screen. With the finesse of skilled mariners, they attempt to glide through the intricate currents of this high-stakes confidence game. A mesmerizing spectacle that unfolds like an underwater chess match, where every move ripples with strategic intent and the waves of suspense lap at the shores of mystery. Any Bone Thugs fans out there? On Crossroads, is it And I Miss My Uncle Charles Jones or Charles Y'all? Let's wax this buffaloed porpoise. Don't do that. See, we're working on his brow chakra. We're just in back of the crown chakra. God, I I haven't seen that in forever. It's it's when they get chunk and they're like they're like spill it, tell us everything. But they all obviously they only want to know about like where the fucking the treasure is and shit and he's like everything he's like everything and then he starts from like every childhood sin from like age four up i was at the balcony in the movie theater and i started throwing up on everyone when i was seven i pushed my sister down the stairs and blamed it on the dog revisit that one. and then one of the other henchmen people's like i'm starting to like this kid <laughs> Oh boy, uh, yeah, uh, you're gonna have to save me on on this movie a little bit. I I kind of browned out midway through, and I watched it one and a half times. There's only one point during this movie where I, I kind of like didn't give a fuck. Spaced on the second toast. Yeah, really spaced hard on the second toasts. Usually go um, one and a half toasts. <laughs> based on the second toast man i uh, i was re-watching the uh the michael richards clip where he freaks out at that comedy club oh boy man it just gets worse every time you watch it i've only heard it maybe once or twice and i was like yeah that's pretty brutal well he has a, he freaks out melts down but then he like at the very end he almost tries to turn it into a bit like yeah you know there's these just these words that are still you know and then <laughs> and then like two seconds Society later he's hasn't. like yeah he, like he's almost trying to turn it into like a george carlin like you know there's just these words and then i think it sets in like this is not gonna work i'm just gonna walk off the stage and he just leaves right after that but yeah yeah that's pretty 
He never really came back from that. That's like the original no, get canceled certain, kind of thing. Certainly but not. But I feel like that's that's pretty justified though. Like Yeah. Yeah, that's like the nuclear example. I was gonna just say, uh I can't I can't front like I'm a huge Carlin fan. There was a couple specials that I had on C D back in the days where uh like mid nineties to early two thousands, I had a few comedy CDs that I that were in a solid rotation, and one of them was one of Carlin's later. I don't think um, I know any of his shit, really, dude. He Just by, like reputation. Yeah, he's got. There's like a like his his fame precedes him. He's he's got yeah. a lot of stuff that really, especially the early days. I've flashed back to some of his early stuff, and it's like razor sharp. It's like. But he he kept that same intensity and like analytical ability mm -hmm. to break things down with the comedy all the way until he died. I think, yeah, like so, like one of his later specials. I think it's called "It's Bad for You," or that was one of his big bits, dude. That one, it's so much of the stuff he talks about is like so prescient for like today. Yeah, but his early shit, yeah, he's on he's on fucking fire when he's got hair and he's not all gray. Like, yeah. But I like how he he can really stitch together a fucking soliloquy really well. But he has a really good in that it's bad for you. I think this is from like oh seven maybe, maybe a little bit earlier. But he has a whole bit on euphemisms that's fucking just gold. Like he just that sounds right he, up your alley. Oh yeah, well he breaks it down like perfectly on like like he could teach a college course, but then he spins it in between with this with his comedy style that just lines up perfect but you know a lot of ins a lot of outs a lot of what have you well, i'm going to start us off with a, a quick clip actually two or three but they're really fast uh I, I subscribed to this kanye page and it's just like two second like blurbs of him just being wild as shit is is one of them the clip where he's like and i'm not gonna say it no i oh, think that's too shoes. hard yeah that one's like, too hard whoa. for the fucking radio i think so funny though it is. I love how his pause isn't even a half a second. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, it was a Jewish doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I've been made an, an honorable member of the tribe, so I'll I'll allow it if you need if you need some permission. It is a fucking funny clip, man. I'm not gonna do what everybody thinks I'm gonna do. Yeah. And just flip <laughs> out, <exactly>. man. <laughs> All right. Uh here here's the uh the Kanye the one of the latest Kanye funnies. Drove me to a point of exhaustion which was misdiagnosed by a I'm not going to say what race, what people uh doctor and what hospital and what media went to. We know I can't say that. It was a Jewish doctor. <laughs> god the lightning quickness yeah like anything else aside it could have been anything i'm not gonna talk about whatever it is just how quickly he'd fucking just uh yeah, yeah i watched like that a couple times the speed of light if you had a, a stopwatch yeah. on it <laughs> they motherfucking made the twix double the size trying to make us fat what what was he wearing? Wow, that that was a very 
visually interesting clip. <laughs> All right, last one. This one, <coughs> this one really got me. I don't <clears throat> want to hang out with him. Give the neighbor's kid a chance. He's harmless. <sighs> What's up, Dylan? Did you know that Amelia Earhart got eaten by coconut crabs? You know, I think I did read that, actually. That's crazy to think about, because, like, did she die when she crashed? How long was she stranded on that island? You think they ate her pussy? What the fuck, Dylan? <laughs> yeah, my, my old lady just showed me that one yesterday, I think. Awesome. Maybe you sent it to her? Or... I think I did, in hopes that she would make you watch it, too. Oh, yeah. Dude, that one's so good, because it's like, dude, I have met people exactly like that that was like yeah. dead oh, nuts yeah. <laughs> yeah like your mom's friend's kid who's a psycho all right uh we are on episode 84 now talking about the spanish prisoner from 1997 this is one that uh i have never seen also so this is a blind watch for for both steve and i as usual you have myself jim g baby yeah man i miss my uncle charles y'all and of course, the usual suspect, Steve. 200 degrees in sunlight, minus 200 in the shade, canyons of razor sharp rock, unpredictable gravitational conditions, unexpected eruptions, things like that. Okay, so the scariest environment imaginable. Thanks. That's all you got to say scariest environment imaginable. How's it going, man? White, White House. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen Armageddon, though. Oh, yeah. We can get that. Okay. Yeah. We can and they don't want to pay that. taxes again, ever. <laughs> Man, that is, a, I, I should get that Michael Clark Duncan. That'd be an excellent bump. I saw that one Just in theaters. The, I remember it fondly. Nice. Yep. I wa That's one of the, the ones I watched a couple times, I think, in the theaters. That was a return, return watch for sure um so that was that was like my prime movie watching couple of years because what was that probably somewhere between 95 and 98 right yeah i think i think it was it was closer it was it's one of those ones i always mix up between 97 and 99 but okay. it easily could have been 98 but yeah 97 to 99 there were some there were some really prime time blockbusters in there men in black yeah well because before that I wasn't aware enough to really care. And then after that, I just didn't care. So the Spanish prisoner, when I saw it was in 97, that was, that was my uh, cinematic renaissance period. So I was excited because I'm sure I just assumed it was going to be great. Yeah. Um, I, I have thoughts about this one, but what'd you think? I did like it. Um, I, I could see why it's not widely known as being really good. Um, I think it gets too many points for uh, the director and being a little like artsy fartsy and mm -hmm. navel gazing and fart sniffing. <laughs> uh, I, I will say the first 20 or 30 minutes, I was not having a good time. Me too. I thought I was the dialogue, just like that meme. Yeah, I was totally for sure not having a good time the first 20 or 30 minutes. And so I, I just thought like, okay, well, I'll just hate watch the next hour and a half and enjoy it that way. And it was the fucking, it was the fucking dialogue, dude. It's yeah. not only what the, what the script was, but 
it reminded me of like a really bad school play where like one person would speak and then the other person would have like a perfect retort but too quickly and it just mm-hmm. it didn't sound like normal people speaking right um yeah it wasn't organic didn't feel realistic it was like two it was like npcs interacting yeah it was with one another yeah it was it was too polished not realistic and just too quick and the way people mm-hmm. were talking just felt like i was watching a play and there there was yes. a point about halfway through where it stopped bugging me either because I I sort of like calibrated to it and I was used to it or mm-hmm. they backed off a little bit. I, I feel like the last half of the movie wasn't quite as schlocky. Yeah. Um, but I liked it overall. I was pleasantly surprised by the second half. Um, I'm a sucker for a good con movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are definitely points that I'm going to shit on about it, but, uh, yeah, I mean a good a good con movie. Um it it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Matchstick Men which we had covered in a prior episode or I mean I feel like yeah. the the holy grail of con movies is um Usual Suspects for me. Even though it's not really a con movie, it's like a good twist sort of convoluted story, but yeah. So what what did you think about this one? Because this was also your first watch. Yeah, and I <clears throat> I don't know. I have this thing where like sometimes I'll 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 see or I'll hear uh, something that I missed when it came out like years later, and then I hear that it's good, or especially if it's been like ten or twenty years, and it's like oh it's really good, and if it's got like a seven on IMDb or above i'm usually like i can usually take it to the bank like i think i'm gonna like this one you know yeah and this is just one of those ones i kind of had in my back pocket that uh i hadn't seen and i was just like i think i'm gonna like a 90 percent chance i'm gonna like this one so i'm i'm definitely gonna watch it one day um and just didn't for whatever reason one of the things that turned me off was that it was pg and it was a david david mamet film because he's he's known for his harsh language, you know? So that was, that was kind of off putting. I was like, Oh, is this going to be some cheese dick and ass fucking PG movie? But <laughs> that really didn't play into it at all. But, um, I don't know. I'm still kind of wrestling with this one. Like I'm definitely of two minds about it. Um, almost beat for beat. I hated the first 20, 30 minutes. Uh, I was like, yeah, this is bullshit. Like community college, like drama nerd fucking theater for like five people in the crowd. Um, yeah. I don't like anyone in this movie except for Ricky J who plays George. And he's just like, he's like a, a token, like stock, like spews adages and like cryptic sayings. Everything he, every interaction he has with someone is like a fucking pull it out of like throw or like a Shakespeare line or something. Yeah, that was my least least favorite guy for me of all time. Really? Every time he opened his mouth, I was like, what are you, like a 17th century, like, (laughs) clairvoyant? Like, why are you talking like this, you fucking weirdo? Um, I, I see, I thought you would like him the most. Cause he's like in like the gambling, like the card world, he's Ricky J I've, I've tried to tell you about him a couple times in the past, but he's like a f- super famous magician card sharp. Oh, really? Like 
he's also like he he's like a learned scholar like all that shit i think david mamet put him in here because he he had a a movie from 87 called house of cards i think or house of games where he poker plays predominantly and he has a role in that as well um but he's just like that like if you see him in interviews too he kind of talks in these cryptic phrases and and sayings and stuff um i don't know i find it now i really hate him yeah (laughs) (laughs) i could see that definitely rubbing someone raw but um nobody talks like that in real life yeah i mean it's not as overkill as as his character in this movie but he he does he's equipped with like a lot of sayings but a lot of that is like his patter the magician's patter that he uses when he's talking and setting up these like all this shit you know i could see that that's part of his showmanship like that that quality of him like if you watch you go on youtube and there's a bunch of different ones a some of the shit he can do with cards is fucking bananas like david blaine level like how the fuck are you doing that but also like the the um like the pageantry and like how he like talks with the crowd his crowd work and like the shit that like his part of his presentation that he has prepared and he's speaking is fucking like it's it's just really well done. I'm like I couldn't do that in a fucking million years. Like makes like it, it makes it seem like effortless, you know. Shakespeare mixed with David Blaine or something. Yeah. Um but I liked him I like him a lot just outside of this movie too, but um yeah, I just I couldn't latch on to anyone and but kind of like with you as well, like mid maybe midway through the second half, I kind of got I got into um some of the twists and turns and the double crossings and like this guy just keeps digging a fucking deeper hole. But then there's like little points where I was able to pick out like plot holes and like, Oh sure. Why would, why would you do that, man? Like, so I don't know. I'm pretty lukewarm on it. I'm going to come across the bow and say, I didn't like this movie. Okay. Watch it ever again. I I I think by the end of it, I think I can warm you up a little bit because I'm a cynical asshole and (laughs) I definitely went into this after the first quarter, like this sucks ass. I don't like it, but, um, we'll see. I think the one thing that I will not sway me is the character of Susan. Yeah. I fucking couldn't stand. And I didn't understand why they went that heavy handed with her and her, her character. I was like, this is, um she well yeah i i think I, it's I think, a rob rob zombie sherry moon zombie kind of thing because that's david mamet's wife yeah and they've been married since like 91 and she's been in like everything he does like whatever yeah her her character like her acting was really bad her her dialogue was some of the worst yeah like we had previously discussed it she also has this weird quality that uh, the main guy Joe Ross has where they both look so much like another person that I can't put my finger on <laughs> that it drove me nuts the entire time. And then afterwards I looked them both up. I didn't recognize a single thing from either one of their IMDB pages, but um, yeah, they're pretty obscure actors. Her, her performance was pretty bad. I thought it was obvious from early on that she was part of the con Mm-hmm. And I was I was kind of hoping for 
like one more misdirect at the end, like, oh no, we made it we made it seem so obvious that she was in on it to throw you off that now she's actually gonna help him and she's a she's a she's an ally. Yeah. But then when they're like, I, Oh yeah, no, she's she's a bad person, it's like, oh fuck. I mean, yeah, duh, obviously. She kept saying over and over, like, I'm new, I'm very new, like I've I've only been here, I'm new. Uh yeah, that was so fucking cloying and like saccharine. I was just like <laughs> like shuddered. Yeah. It's like, okay, we get it, man. And I mean she she holds the bit all the way to the end, even when she's getting hauled into like that police van, like paddy whacking thing. Yeah. And she's like kind of playful. She's like, Oh, well, I'll see you around. You know, or so, she says something like that, and it's like she's aren't get, you gonna she's aren't gonna, you gonna help me? And then yeah. yeah, he had like some bullshit line like enjoy your home or something like yeah. that. God, way to go out with a with a dud. And she has like a like a smirk, like a not the attitude of somebody who has to be going away for at least 10, 15, 20 years. Um, I would think, but either way, um, <clears throat> I think we, before we go any further, I found a synopsis online that I'm just going to fucking plagiarize from filmscouts.com just to get our arms around this. Cause I know we're going to go in a bunch of different directions probably. And I don't want to belabor anything, but, uh, the Spanish prisoner. This is from David Mamet, um, who I'm I'm not really familiar with. I know the name, and there's a couple things I looked at in his filmography that I've seen, but um, this is definitely like uh, a blind spot for my movie buffdom. Um, so the Spanish prisoner centers on an elaborate comp an elaborate confidence game and it's labyrinthine plot is laden with twists and reversals reminiscent of the usual suspects it wishes and Hitchcock's the man who knew too much North by Northwest. Uh, the Spanish prisoner is a film that will keep audiences guessing till the end. So we have Joe Ross played by Campbell Scott. He invents this quote unquote, the process uh, along with his friend and legal counsel played by Ricky J. Uh, the process, it's a top secret formula that his boss, Mr. Klein, played by Ben Gazzara, is already fucking nutting his pants, seeing dollar signs. So he flies Joe uh, down to some secluded Caribbean island for a hush-hush meeting with big stockholders. Uh, and Klein only gives Joe vague promises about Joe getting cut in on some of the profits. Joe's a very trusting guy. Uh, He's starting to think he might be getting shut out of the biggest thing that's ever happened to him. Uh, by chance, taking a walk on the beach while he's mulling things over, he happens to encounter Jimmy Dell, played against type by Steve Martin, a mysterious jet-setting businessman, and they make plans to meet in New York. When back in the city, Joe confides his troubles to Jimmy. J Jimmy is there to help. Um, as his relationship with uh, or as Joe's relationship with the company deteriorates, so does Joe's faith in the people around him. His com colleague and confidant, George, again played by Ricky Jay, his boss, Mr. Klein, Jimmy, and even Susan, played by Rebecca Pigeon, a sec secretary with a none-too-subtle crush on him. Are these people his friends, as they claim, or is there something darker underneath? As they all pledge to stand by him, Joe finds himself not knowing who to trust or where to turn, trapped in a world which nothing and no one are what they seem. So, yeah, it it's really convoluted. Um, it's it's 
up there with like it's trying to do like those those movies that were mentioned like the man who do too much by hitchcock the usual suspects i think it falls really short of that but that's the kind of thing that you're in for with this one yeah and i and i think one of the things that really hurts it is in in the usual suspects and also in uh matchstick men you don't know that the con is happening until the reveal. I feel like in this movie, it, it only takes about five or ten minutes. Like when you first meet Steve Martin and he's so overly like swarthy and it's like, okay, clearly this guy is, clearly the con is on. So who's mm-hmm. involved? Is it going to fall for it? Is it going to be successful? And the whole time you're just waiting for like you already know it's happening. You're watching it in real time. Right. You're just waiting to see it unfold. Whereas I feel like if they would have done it a little better, you wouldn't know until the very end. But it was so obvious when he's like, What what was your childhood dog's name? And like what was and, and then when the other lady's like, What's your mom's maiden name? It's like, okay, all of these people are obviously in on it and they're just trying to gather as much data about this guy as as possible and I mean that 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 first scene where he meets Steve Martin on the beach and he asked to buy his camera for a thousand. That was the corniest fucking dialogue back and forth. Yeah, he, his response was so weird and like robotic. He's like, "So, what is this a favor?" Like, the, the, I was like, "What? No one talks like if, that." If you're asking me for a favor, I would I would sooner rather just give you the camera, sir. And then when he comes to apologize, as a, yeah, and, as a gift. <laughs> Yeah, shitty, shitty dialogue. Uh, I did see one review where it was like, once again, Mammoth's dialogue is gorgeous. I'm like, man, oh I must be God. really fucking dumb because Wolf. it, it no. bugged the shit out of me. But no, that person fucking credit cards his ass and smells it. That's fucking terrible. Yeah. yeah so I, I, I mean, if you don't know much about David Mammoth, I know less than fuck all. But I did see that he wrote The Edge. Which is legit. He's he's as a writer, he's he's written some cool shit. Um <clears throat> as a director, I mean there's a movie from two thousand one with uh that's a high a proper heist movie with Delroy Lindo and Gene Hackman. Uh that's a good that's a fun flick. Um the rest of his stuff I, I wasn't really familiar with. What's the I, I know he's real big, he's known for um state and maine i've heard that that movie mentioned but i just figured it was like a real like a theater kind of like a theater nerd kind of movie which i think it is but that would make sense i do like like he wrote glengarry glenn ross yeah you ever I, seen haven't, that? I haven't seen it that one's got a very theatrical speech like dialogue style but it's a completely different movie and i feel like it fits like the people these people are salesmen in that movie and like they're cutthroat yeah. Kevin Spacey's actually in that one, oddly enough, Quinky Dink. Um it it's just a it's a completely different set setting movie, uh, what they're going for, but that's that's a really good one. He wrote Wag the Dog, uh, which is a good movie. Um Yeah, he's written way more than he's directed. Um I guess a lot of people like Spartan with um Val Kilmer. That's I don't know if I've seen that one. I think he plays like some kind of FBI agent. Or something in that one, but oh yeah, I didn't even see that. He wrote The Edge. That's crazy. He wrote Hoffa. Hoffa's okay with Jack Nicholson and Danny DeVito. 
Shit, the Untouchables. Okay. He's got now some we're talking. Bona fides. Yeah. I mean, You've never so seen the Untouchables, have you? No, of course not. With Sean Connery, Kevin Costner, Andy Garcia. That's a banger. That's a good movie. That makes me like him a little, a, actually, a lot more right now. So, uh, good for good on you, David Mamet. Um, so this will come yeah. as, as no surprise to you at all, but the IMDb score was just right down the middle at seven point two, like everything else is. Yeah, I was pretty shocked to see that. Honestly, I was like, "Do you know the Rotten Tomato score?" No or idea. If you had to guess, what what do you think the critics and the audience calls it? I feel like this would be a critical darling, and I mean, fuck, it could be a coin flip. I'd I'd go somewhere in the eighty range, critic, and then I'd go maybe sixties for audience. Okay, um, you're not super far off. Eighty nine with the critics, which I think is generous. Yeah, eighty one with the people, which. Also, I think a little generous, but not super unreasonable. I didn't, I didn't see that. And... Yeah, it's it's not it's not dog shit the way I'm portraying it, but um, yeah, I, f- I feel like those two scores are really high. I'd definitely be more in the sixty range on this. So, like, maybe maybe a C minus. Maybe we'll give it a pass. I don't know, because um, there were some th- certain things I liked about it, but. Um, so so I think the the first indication that he should have known what's her name Susan that was her name right Susan Yeah the annoying secretary It seemed so fucking obvious and I don't know I thought I was going to talk you into liking it I might talk myself into hating it by the end of this <laughs> <laughs> I thought the first like extremely obvious clue was when she makes her stupid little fucking scrapbook and it's got the pictures in it from the camera that he sold to Steve Martin. Like the pictures of him with the girl in the background or am I? No, I feel like that there was two cameras because she had a camera and he had a camera too. And he took, he took a photo with his camera and that's well, where you, Steve you would Martin think that saw if he it. saw two people taking pictures of them, he would try to buy both cameras. Yeah, but I think she had walked off first. All right, right. maybe. So, all right, maybe I'll just calm down over here. But well, one of one of my first ones that tipped me off, like that was pretty shortly after that, is when they're on their return flight, and she's like just badgering him on the fucking plane. Yeah, and and then also saying like, oh, well, you know, you gotta watch out about you know drug mules. Like, don't take, don't accept any packages or anything like yes. that. Yeah, it's like, dude, this is so on the nose. And he's he's in the moment. Joe's just like freaking out because it's like, wait, I did that. That's me. Like, he's not sitting there to think like, this is kind of coin a coinky dink. Like, she's being weird, and then she happens to talk about this, which like sets me down this path. I don't know. Maybe not as Joe, he shouldn't have been tipped off. Maybe, I mean, way earlier he should have, but for the audience, for sure. Um, and the whole thing about how she kept being weird about, like, was he on the the seaplane or did yeah. he just come up on the boat? <laughs> I was like, why are you being weird? And for Joe, too, like, if a guy came up and was like, hey, I'll, I'll give you $1,000 for that, like, being all weird, my first instinct would be like, 
fuck off. No, like leave. Or I would be like, if this fucker, if I could, if I was like thinking really quickly on my feet, I would like to think if this fucker is willing to offer me a thousand dollars for this, yeah, I'd say no, two thousand ten. Yeah, <laughs> like let's see how fucking serious you are, bucko. But that that whole exchange, and then seeing him later on the tennis court, and like, yeah, my little sister's a oh, man. alternate for the Olympics. Like all that shit was just really cringy, and that was another nominee for worst dialogue exchange yeah. back and forth. I at first I thought is this is there some gay shit going on here like is is <laughs> our guy Joe like is he like cruising for a piece of ass on Steve Martin or vice versa I was like this just feels weird I don't know maybe it's me being an introvert it's like I would have like I would have been like this guy's giving me weird vibes go away I'm trying to go to my hotel room and fucking take a shit and go to sleep and get out of here um yeah there's and there's then a- and, the the point too where right before he leaves he's like oh hey would you take this package for me fuck no I don't even know you guy like but if he didn't we wouldn't have a movie so yeah and I mean he had to know he was gonna open it and read the note like ooh there might be a lady in this for me but so uh, to skip <laughs> ahead before we skip back Ed O'Neill who I liked his his little intro oh. that was cool. So awesome. But as he's describing the scam, it's like, that's not at all what you're describing. Mm-hmm. It sounded more like, I don't know if you're a big uh, Always Sunny fan. This sounded more like the Dennis system. Are you familiar with that? No. Oh, man. So Dennis is one of the characters in Always Sunny. Yeah, has, I'm familiar with him. For okay, sure. So he's got a system for like getting women to fall in love with him, and he calls it the Dennis system. It's an acronym. <laughs> and... Oh man, I wish I wish you were more familiar with it. So the steps for the dentist system are demonstrate your value, engage physically, nurture dependence, neglect emotionally, inspire hope, and separate entirely. And <laughs> I just kept thinking this this is like a dentist system. Like he shows the guy, like, oh, I'm a rich guy, I've got this plan, you know. Here, I'm going to like give you my card or uh, offer to meet you and buy you dinner. Um, and then when the guy doesn't follow his instructions properly, he's like, fuck off. I don't want to be friends with you. Yeah. You know, and then he's like, okay, I can help you with this attorney. And then, except for the separate entirely at the end. If anybody's a big Sonny fan, I feel like they'll they'll really enjoy the dentist system. analogy there but yeah i was looking up online and in some research for this and uh it it didn't really hit me that way until like later on that i was like that doesn't sound like what he was describing and no that sounded uh, like a like a nigerian prince right this just seemed like a long the long con yeah (laughs) yeah uh Fuck. There's so many twists and turns in this thing and so like the like the the part where he he finally meets him in his like penthouse and he's like swimming and uh-huh. he, he casually sits down and he's like they're just chatting and he brings up the the idea or or um you know like Swiss bank accounts just offhanded and then asks for we're like what was your first dog's name and he's like oh I just set you up a Swiss bank account 
How cool is that? I'd be like, that's pretty weird. Yeah. Friend that I just met that you did that for me. Um, I mean, they kind of play it off. Like he's just like, well, I just put 15 Swiss francs in there. It's like a cool party trick. You know, you can say you have a Swiss bank account, whatever, but, but, it, I don't but know. it was so obvious. Like, well, this is going to come back and be not very cool. Yeah. Like, Oh, why did you open this Swiss bank account? Um, well, yeah. And yeah, he, especially when he, like uh, the, when he takes him to dinner and he's like, has him sign it. It's like immediately you're like, well, this is going to be turned into something else. Oh yeah. When it's like, Oh, it's members only night. Yeah. It's like, Oh, well get, make him a member right now. And it's like, wait for this prestigious club and this fancy, like highfalutin, like restaurant, like private club or whatever. All it <laughs> takes for me is to sign this piece of paper. Yeah. No, it's like there's know, even like uh, podunk golf country clubs where you have to pay like fucking 10,000 a year and maintain like a fucking $500 like tab at the fucking uh <clears throat> at, at the the bar or whatever there. It's like this wouldn't come no strings. It's like that should have been finally the hugest red flag, Joe. Yeah. Like what are you doing? I don't know if you're a a big Fresh Prince of Bel-Air fan, but Oh yeah. One of my favorite episodes, which I ended up using for my own benefit, was Will is trying to get Uncle Phil's signature for something. And he's like, Oh, Uncle Phil, um, we're doing a handwriting analysis in my class at school, and he has everybody else in the family like sign this piece of paper. And he's like, You wanna you wanna get in on it? And he's like, Yeah, sure. And so he hands him the clipboard and right when he's about to sign it, he like scooches the paper up. So he's signing like a permission slip or something right below. <laughs> it's like, damn, that's a really good idea. So I did the same thing to my parents and then just used that like master piece of paper to <laughs> trace notes excusing myself out of school for That's awesome. For a while. Until I got caught and <laughs> wasn't that cool after that. <laughs> Oh man, what a good show! Um, so I thought the biggest, uh, like annoying. So it's this huge con, right, with all of these people involved, and it, it seemed like the first moment where he realized something was wrong was when he went to go deliver that framed picture to the sister, which he kept. Yeah. Mi- missing yeah or she's sick she couldn't make it to dinner and yeah yeah so excuses. he goes to deliver it and it's an old lady so that's when he kind of knows uh the the ruse is going on so for this whole consortium or whatever a group of people how hard would it have been for him to just have a fake sister right like just yeah get a get a a henchman or an actor lady, a stand in. It's like, why would you chance it to be? Cause the first time that he goes to drop off the book, they show that old lady come out and he just misses her. So it's like, that would have blown up the whole con right there. Well, like, and he was supposed to hand deliver it to her. So what was the, what was the goal <laughs> there? Yeah. Well, I think that part was like that, that, that fake anger. Like I'm, I'm going to, play kind of hard to get right now like that was built in like because he wasn't clear about like no i expect you to fucking go up to the door and meet my sister and hand it to her in person 
Yeah. I definitely took it the way Joe did. Like, hey, will you make sure this gets to my sister? Deliver right. it, whatever. Like The first N in the dentist system, which is neglect emotionally. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> <clears throat> but the other thing, too, that it that I was wondering about throughout this whole thing, and they do touch on it a little bit. It's like, this guy's so secretive about this process, this new thing that he's developed that's going to revolutionize and for his company is going to just reap like it's going to be a huge windfall, right? But he's being very precious about it. I don't know. any. I haven't worked a lot of places, but most places there's shit in like the bylaws or like, you know, like, uh, like your code of conduct or whatever that you know, something that you work on or yeah, your IP belongs to the company, not to you and your cute little key. Right. Yeah. Your two key system and your fucking, your ledger that you hide in this painting. Um, but he does say something about, I just didn't care enough at this point, but he's like, it was a work for hire contract or something. I'm wondering if it was something like separate from his normal duties. Like we're going to contract you to do this thing separate from your yeah. job function at fucking Johnson and Johnson or whatever, he, wherever he works for some global conglomerate. Um, that part just seemed weird to me. Like, like how is he allowed to be so secretive about and, and hiding this thing? Shouldn't the company own it? But I mean, unless he is a independent contractor, I don't know that they just have on retainer and he's not actually like an official employee of this company, but he had his own office on site and shit. And he was talking to his boss. Like, you know, that's my boss. He's like, Oh, run it. Give it to me on Monday or whatever. Like it, I don't know. Well, I mean, it just that, didn't seem that's why they tried to restructure his contract to make him an employee rather than like an independent contractor. Right. When he bows up, he puts his big boy pants on. He's like, no, my yeah. attitude, sir, like all that yeah. shit. I was like, come on. You're a day late and a dollar short guy. Um, I also, I hate when things are like intentionally vague to be artistic when they don't say what the process is or what the, pro yeah. like they just kept saying, oh, the, the process. Ooh, or when he like puts the uh, dollar amount on the chalkboard and turns it around and they don't show it. They're just like, whoa. Yeah, it's like a total, clunkier. It's like a clunkier version of the uh, Pulp Fiction, like gold briefcase. Yep. Yeah, which is fine. Like in that context, it's fine. But in this case, it's like it. It's just it seems cheap. Like oh, yeah. the process. Like just assign something to it. Like oh, it's a it's a new technology that we've developed or or whatever. But yeah, it's like a trope or like a cinematic technique. It's called uh, they call that a MacGuffin. I think it, I think it comes from like really? Hitchcock, maybe predates that. But yeah, it's it's just a it's like an instrument that you can plug into a formula of like your movie or your show or whatever it is, and it's a thing that like has value that drives the story forward. But it could be anything. It could be a fucking it could turn out to be a fucking hot dog, you know, like or you know, it's just a, a kind of a red herring, but not really. Like it's just it's. They call it a MacGuffin. I can't remember why. Huh. I think it's from a movie uh, where where there's like a dude named MacGuffin or something. But that's it. It it has a a func a distinct function within a a movie and it and within a plot. Like you can identify it. Like oh, that's the MacGuffin. Another one is like a, a Chekhov's gun. 
Um, I've seen that mentioned a lot. I don't know what the fuck that is, but um, yeah, I don't know. Something about this just I didn't like you say it. It didn't feel organic like the the relationships like of the people and like the way they interacted it just it felt kind of fucking lame i don't know so i can't articulate it beyond i did have really. some hope because i i feel like when he replaced the book and he still had the original at home uh-huh. i thought that would be I like, did too. I was like, come back to this. Like, this is the ace in the hole that deviated from the con plan mm-hmm. that could come back and be the thing that blew it all up. Right. Right. I will say there was also a lot of like really anti-Japanese. <laughs> yeah, there was. <laughs> Even at the end, they were like, oh, no one pays attention to a Japanese tourist, you know? It's like, yeah. And that's actually you, what came you've back said to that bite. multiple times, but you really just had to pound that home one more time um yeah the heavy-handed nature of the movie telegraphing that shit it was kind of rub rub me wrong too so another one where they just were like rubbing your fucking face in it is when uh she takes him down to boston instead of new york to get on the plane and the woman and child in front of him like you're dropping your book. You're going to break your book. You broke, yeah, your, I was like, you broke your book. I'm like, you. this has not occurred to you at all. Yeah. Like, oh shit, his fingerprints are on that book. It's Well, because there were so many discussions about like, if we no only had noise. his fingerprints on anything, do we have anything of his? And then the mom is like, your book, you dropped your book. You. You dropped your book <laughs> over and over. I'm like, and he's like, oh, yeah, this could have been useful yesterday, like or two days ago when you were like talking to the, the cops or whatever, like, and they were brazing you like, oh, you know what? I do have his fingerprints. You know, it's like, yeah, come on, sleepy Joe. Um, <laughs> yeah. Fucking. Well, and then when he wor- then when he runs out front and they show the the gun th- going through the X ray, and Susan is talking to the the FBI or fake FBI people, mm-hmm. like mo- least discreet conversation of all time happening across the street. Yeah, and then they just break and run back, and then the same thing happens like ten minutes later at the boat launch. Yeah. Where she goes back and it's like, well, what should I do with this guy who knows who we are? And he knows, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to go run back. Yeah. Good, yeah. Good that movie, felt really though. sloppy. Felt really sloppy. And then, like, how how did Steve Martin know which ferry or which boat to be on? Because they tried to do that fucking gypsy switch and get yeah. on the other boat. It's like, oh, you knew he was going to do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Least penalized team in the <laughs> SEC. He's a ghost and he writes to us. Ghost writer. Nice. Um, well, and also, I mean, I feel like when when he is talking, and we are jumping all over the fucking place, which is fine. Yeah. Um, I would recommend this movie, though. It's for free on Tubi or whatever. Watch it. Um, yeah, it's a couple places. I think it's on Tubi, Freebie, and Peacock with ads. So when he figures out that it's a scam, 
he still takes the fucking actual notebook with him. If we were if we've learned nothing from the Big Lebowski, he should have brought a fucking ringer, dude. <laughs> the fucking whites. Yeah. So does he is he onto it that it's a scam when he's like, make sure you bring the process. Make sure you bring bring a copy of the process. That's another one that jumped out to me. I was like, he's never called it that before. Right. Yes. That that's also how correct. Do you, how do you know it's called that motherfucker? I mean, I think it's just it's just the way of spoon feeding you info that Hey, in case you weren't already aware that Steve Martin is in on this. Yeah. The fact that he never told him it's called the process and he's asking for it is, you know, red flag number 10,000. But then when he talks to the fake FBI people, they're like, do whatever he says, take it, whatever. It's like, uh, no, I'm still not going to do that because this is my only copy. And yeah. I have no insurance because I'm also really dumb. You got to get the ringer. Yeah. I kind of liked actually like, like hate watching the aspect of him, of Joe, like finding out like, oh, that was fake FBI. Fuck. You know, like, and hit, and all these like pitfalls and like seeing that the, uh, or does he notice that the, the plane ticket was to Venezuela? No, he doesn't. Okay. No. Or when, when he's getting brazed by the hello, real cops, um, <laughs> when they're like, did you open a bank account, a Swiss bank account? And he's like, no, of course not. And then he's like, oh, wait, he did that thing as a goof. Like, oh, that fucks me right now. And he's like, and then did you ever sign a, a extradition form or like a intent to fucking like go to Venezuela? For, yeah. Yeah. Whatever the fuck that was for, for citizenship. He's like, no, of course not. He's like, wait, did I sign something that I have no idea what the fuck it was? Oh, yeah, they get into this rich club. Yeah. It's super, yeah. Just, and then they go <laughs> and they, to that restaurant later on, and it's just like some like shitty, like dive, like deli tavern place. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this did not look like that when he went there. It I don't know. There's too many leaps in this one and i don't know i just didn't really give a fuck about any of the characters i hated joe almost immediately um i didn't even really care when george dies when he has the knife through his gullet or whatever um yeah imagine I, imagine I you latch on imagine you're being framed for all sorts of wild crimes and you find your friend dead you're just going to like cover your hands with blood. <laughs> oh yeah. Let me make sure I smudge it really well on my fucking glasses and yeah. leave my glasses, which I <laughs> seems like I need really bad. And like, be like, Oh, let me touch eight, 18 more things before I leave. Like, and then I'm yeah, going to creepily fucking... stare at a woman on the subway. So she gets freaked out. <laughs> yeah. I think that was to like h highlight like his paranoia. like. He's like looking every, every single person he's looking at, they're in on it. Fuck. They know I'm high. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. But he's, I don't, I couldn't tell like how much maybe he's willing to like 
Well, maybe he's got a mild form of Aspies or something to begin with, because you see him jotting down like numbers and shit while they're in line, and he's he's like, "Come on, put that down." And he's like, "We don't know what this process is. Maybe it's some kind of like savant or something." He's not good at social cues and crap, but he's also it seems like he's very fixated on getting a fucking payday, and he's really worried about getting fucked over by his company. So yeah. maybe he's just got dollar sign glasses on too, like of of this forthcoming fucking cash out that. I don't know that 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 kind of hinders his critical thinking ability at at points here, but For the love of money. um, he's also just like he's also just a so, big giant pussy. So I think everybody around him sees that. Yeah, like he's an easy mark. The only time he bows up is is that one when the lawyers come in and they talk about renegotiating the contract or whatever. He he bows up a little bit there but again i think it was like he came in a day late a dollar short because then he follows that later on he, he's like oh hey uh mr klein uh like as he's walking out the door he's like i want to talk to you again about you bending me over for this thing that you well and made so you- this this is where i think i'm hoping to maybe bring you back a little bit the fact that good luck spoiler we find out that it wasn't Steve Martin, the really clumsy mastermind of this whole scam. It was his own boss, who we find out earlier uh, has no money, has no savings. Everything he was banking on was on this process. Mm-hmm. So I actually really liked that kind of reveal because it, it, it makes sense. Like, okay, well, you know, I get why this guy would hire this whole crew of people because he doesn't want to split a nondescript amount of money when he could just take it all for himself. And he kind of seemed like a scumbag early on. Yeah. Yeah. He keeps dodging him and like, Hey, we're down here on business. I'm here to have fun. You know, talk to me when we get back to New York. But then he plays, then he wrings his hands too, like, like, Oh, the stockholders meeting, they can't, they keep me in the dark too. You know, he's like, but there's going to be enough, plenty, plenty to go around once this deal goes through. Like he's clearly dodging this guy. Like, yeah, but, but he did play it perfectly with, with Steve Martin telling him like, they're going to fuck you. They're going to say all this good shit. And then they're going to start, you know, and then he had his attorneys do exactly what he told him Steve Martin was going to do. Right. So, you know, he played him back on both sides back into Steve Martin's arms. And yeah, I thought that part That's was a little pretty problem. Yeah. That problem reaction solution kind of thing built in. Yeah. So in hindsight, I thought that was pretty clever, but yeah, I'll give you that. I, I did like, I wasn't expecting it. I thought it was like, I thought uh, Steve Martin was like just this rogue operator who maybe yeah. got like some Intel and like he, it was his scam. So I'll, I'll give you that as a point. Like I did like that. It's like, Oh, it was your boss the whole time because his motive makes sense. And like the, the links that he would go to play up Joe, but just all the things that happened to him, so many things would have had to go right or, or near perfect for the con to continue on. And I mean, ultimately it fails, but um, that kind of seemed a little cheap to me too. It's like, wait, so there's actually real cops and a real FBI that's been watching like everything ostensibly or, or a lot of shit. 
and they're privy to it. They're just like the, they're kind of like the deus ex machina at the end of the movie. Like, Oh, fucking trank dart. This guy save you. Like I w- I wish Joe would have like died or like, I would, I wish we would have seen his like complete downfall yeah. versus what, that we get like this kind of cookie cutter, like quote unquote happy ending. Like I was confused by the ending because they're like, get him to admit where he sent it or whatever. And he's like, oh, I sold it to the Swiss and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, well, it's not coming back. What what yeah. part What part of that admission is a win? Like, I sold right. it to these people. Like, okay, it's still gone, so you're fucked. Yeah. And I'm sure those people that have it are, you know operated they have like 12 different shell companies and they're definitely in countries that have non-extradition so yeah, yeah there, there was also there that multiple- moment where um susan was like if you ever need anything i am at this address i'm gonna clearly state it out to you and it's we, i live we, atop, up above a bakery we will, sunrise bakery he will definitely come back to this later and then when yeah. he shows up she gets on the phone and she's like i am susan i'm calling in sick like could that have been any more clearly a signal to somebody <laughs> like yeah Dude. the fox is oh. in the hen house yeah <laughs> Dude, one of her lines she's like hey, well if you ever want to do something or Come over for dinner or and come breakfast. over for dinner and breakfast. I was like, oh damn. Yeah. Susan's trying to fucking get her beat. Um Yeah. I had she was like nails on a fucking chalkboard for me. Yeah. Especially the second time when I tried to watch I watched the first half again to try to because <laughs> the first half was so hard to get through. Um yeah, she's fucking terrible. Oh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite lines of George's was the uh, worry is like interest paid in advance on a debt that never comes due. I was like, I like that. That's pretty fucking slick. Um, but then, yeah, what's what are his other ones? Nobody going on a business trip would have been missed if he never arrived. Um. Beware of all enterprises which require new clothes. That one I didn't get. Do you understand what that means? No. Don't care. <laughs> really fucking dumb. Or when he's hung over, he's like, what? He's like, how'd, how'd your night go? And he's like, I put a thief in my mouth to steal my brain. It's yeah, like, cool. Fucking weirdo. Yeah, you just be like, I'm fucking shithoused. I'm fucking, I'm hurting. Roll me a doobie and give me a fucking Gatorade. Um, yeah, I don't know. This was like, like not, it really, it really, that meme, I'm straight up not having a good time is how I felt just overall with this. Can I, can I help you feel better? Sure. Uh, do you remember when Susan is driving him to the airport in New York and there's the checkpoint? Oh yeah. Okay. Did you recognize the cop? Oh yes, the fucking got joyous Isaiah, whatever his name is. (laughs) Fuck yeah, I did see that, and I was like, yeah, my my echolalia. My wife will tell you 
I, I hit her with about nine <laughs> got your asses. Um, <clears throat> well, he was about to. God, I love that guy. Fuck. Yeah, that was fun. And I, you know, for as, as kind of cheap as that was, I did like her, like, diatribe going off on Irish people, disparaging the Irish. Um, I think she calls them, like, a dumb mick at yeah. a certain point. And, like, yeah. I, th- I thought that was kind of fun. But um, that was, like, a, one of the few bright spots for me with with her acting. But, yeah. What is that dude's name? It's, like, Isaiah something. Yeah, Isaiah, really it's awesome. like, because uh, I've looked it up like 10 times. Isaiah Whitlock Jr. Yes. A- she. God, I was so hoping I could surprise you with that. Fuck. <laughs> I mean, he does. He is a fair bit younger and he's, he's a little he bit more svelte. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's definitely got a, a distinctive mug on him. Um. Yeah, there's some trivia. It's kind of boring. Yeah, the con game run in this movie is not the Spanish prisoner. So I've heard some people were just like, he. I think he just liked the name of that con. And this is also like a heist kind of con movie. So he just threw it on there. And while I'm at it, I guess I'll explain what the Spanish prisoner is, even though it doesn't relate to this film in any way except in title. Um, some of the shit that 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 Susan Gal said to was like, well, dog my cats. And just like, what the, no one fucking talks like that. No. Man. So annoying. So let me ask you this. <clears throat> I meant to write this down, but when do you think they switched out the book? Do you think it's when he put it on the windowsill? Because I think it's when the, the like roller skater bumped into him. In the park. Hmm. You remember that? I think this is one of the parts where I fucking browned out and I fucking didn't give a fuck. You didn't miss much. Yeah, I think this is one of those parts. I had kind of like a like an inverse bell curve on this movie. Like I was watching it actively and hating it, like the first part. And then somewhere in the middle, I fucking kind of just glazed over and sat and watched movements on the screen and words <laughs> said. And then I kind of got, I was like, I got to talk about this about two thirds of the way through. And then fortunately that's where it kind of does pick up. Yeah. And all these things kind of start happening. It still wasn't enjoyable, but it was like, at least we're not, you know, like looking in the rear view. I was like, fuck, I hope the rest of this movie is not like that. But, um, yeah, fuck this movie. I didn't like it. Even talking about it now <laughs> makes me not like it even more. You got any other final thoughts about the Spanish prisoner? No, I'm I'm still a little unclear about the the US Marshals storyline at the end. Like how did they get onto this? Why what took them so yeah, it just, long? It felt fake. Like it was just like, like it was just plucked. Like, oh, okay. They've been om- omnipotent since when? Had known all the shit like was going on. How? Where? Do you have all? Do you have phones tapped? Like, yeah, you let it, our body it just get felt stabbed in the chest for for yeah. what? Like, 
You've been onto him for how long? Yeah, you couldn't help my buddy not die at the hand at, with my fucking Boy Scout blade. Like, yeah. Come on. Fucking assholes. Are you sure you don't want anything to drink? Take a quadruple Hennessy with the gin back. <laughs> That's what I felt like after watching this. I wanted a quadruple Hennessy with a gin back. <laughs> Just uh, cool it with the anti-Semitic remarks. All right, this is going to wrap it up for The Spanish Prisoner. Uh, fuck that movie. Don't watch it. Um, I say Steve's watch it. Bit, fuck Steve's it. a little warmer on it. Yeah. I, it's weird because I am a Steve Martin fan in general, and there's a couple good flicks. Uh, like, I like Roxanne. I like um, uh, My Blue Heaven. He's great in with Rick Moranis. Uh, uh, house trains and automobiles. House sitter. House sitter. He's good in house sitter. I'll give you <laughs> house sitter. <laughs> I will give you house sitter. Father of the bride, uh, part one and the two. Jerk. Father of the bride. I'll give you that too. Um, I think uh, there's a much better movie about uh, a con or a confidence game. Um, it's called Confidence from 2003 with Ed Burns. Um, Dustin Hoffman, Rachel Weisz, Smoke Show, Annie oh, yeah. Garcia, Paul Giamatti. Um, I think that's a much better, it's a much funner con game, long con game. Put it on um, our list. It sounds good. All right. I like yeah. all those people. I lost a $10 bet one time because I thought Ed Burns in Saving Private Ryan was Ben Affleck. So, you. I mean, I can see they're kind of similar. Facial structure, especially when they got like a beard going. Yeah. Yeah. Ed Burns isn't in a lot, but I definitely like him as Ryben a lot. He's, he's a, he came up in like 95. He did like a, it was kind of similar to Affleck and, and Damon. They did him and his, uh, his writing buddy. I can't remember. He, he's not as famous as he is, as Ed Burns is, but they did, uh, the brothers McMullen in 1995. Pretty good flick. Kind of an indie thing, kind of like along the lines of Goodwill Hunting, like similar similar the way that they came up and they were able to like write this movie and they got it made, you know, and then from there they were they became like movie stars. Um obviously not to the heights that uh Affleck and, and Damon have, but kind of similar. I think they're both East Coast guys too. But anyway, um fuck. Next week I think we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants here. There'll be another surprise. Um, we got a, a few in the hopper that I'm looking forward to talking about, but um, I talked with Chris recently from Mount Molehill and he's, he's got a suggestion for a movie um, that I think we'll check out. The name of it escapes me, but um, it's like a nineties kind of thriller movie. So he might be back on sometime in February. Um, and we might for Valentine's Day. I think we're gonna we're pretty set on. So I married an axe murderer. And we might have a special guest or guests on for that as well. Um, so yeah, look forward to that. I think also when this releases the following day, so Friday, Friday the nineteenth. We were just on Ghoulish uh, Universities. Um, 
don't know if it was their year-end wrap-up or it, it was meant to be, but they finally got to their point in Tales from the Crypt where they covered uh, the first movie, the first Tales from the Crypt movie, um, Demon Knight. So we were we were happy to to sit in with them, and that that was a lot of fun. We that one went pretty yeah. long too, as as per <laughs> usual. <laughs> kind of just time just melts away i think that one came in like three hours or so but we had, i had a lot of fun on demon night yeah so yeah by the time this this comes out following day i think they're gonna release that one so keep your eyes peeled out. is it I think no so. i think she, i think she uploaded it and then uh but it, she didn't mean to and she took it back down uh, so if okay, you if not. you've already downloaded if you've already downloaded it like to whatever podcatcher and you have it like locally on your shit, even if someone takes it down, you'll still have that first copy. If you, unless you just stream podcasts, I know some people just stream them and then they don't download them like individual episodes, but yeah, I found out that a hard way with one of our episodes, there was a fucking delay somehow kicked in between you and me. And I didn't pick up on it until someone told me and it already had like 15 downloads or something. So I had to put like a little disclaimer, like, hey, new versions up. Yeah, that was a pain in the ass to fucking untangle that ball of yarn and get the voices synced back up. Yikes. Fuck that. Yikes on bikes. That's what it probably pays to like these bigger outfits when they have like producers and shit and the people that actually produce a show. That's going to be nice. Um, All right. Uh, first world problems in the rear view. Um, if you want to reach out to us uh, via email, you can do so at wax at waxingtheporpoise.com. Hate mail welcomed. Uh, we haven't had any very many emails uh, recently, but on YouTube, we have had a couple new subscribers and someone had, someone posted a, a really thoughtful response to Jennifer eight, which I, I was especially tickled by, so I can't remember that username, but if you're listening, I appreciate the comment. Uh, that's one one of our lower downloaded uh, episodes, but that's that's one of my like guilty pleasure, like kind of comfort food movies, and it always will be. Um, so I was I was glad to see someone gave that a little bit of love. Um, also, socials, Instagram, Twitter, just you'll figure it out. Um, last chance, final thoughts. I recommend it. That's all. All right. Well, we're going to mark it in the win column because Steve liked it, even though I didn't. And that's actually, we're back on a pretty solid fucking streak here. I think previous to this, we were at, at a 87.3 approval rate. And now. If we mark this a yes, this is going to put us squarely at an 87.5. So we're sitting at a solid B plus 84 episodes in. So I can live with that. But yeah, fuck the Spanish prisoner. Garbage. Uh, alrighty. Well, uh, if, if you made it, made it through with us, you're a saint. Fuck this movie, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Oh, please.